You are listening to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. Now, let's jump into this week's talk. Hi, I'm Tracy Laws, Darren's wife and Samuel's mom, and I'm a pastor here at Brave Church. And I'm Pastor Samuel's wife, Marcy. It's such an honor to share with you today. Especially today, because today's Mother's Day. Let's give a shout out to our moms. Happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day for a lot of moms, it's just another day. But this is still a special day to honor mothers that do so much all year long. What makes this Mother's Day so special? Well, we've asked some of our kids to do something special for our moms, so check this out. My mom makes me feel loved because she always cares for me. I love my mom when she cooks for me. Gives us good food. When my mom is always there for me, she makes me feel loved. She plays for us. I like her. She hugs us. She's like brave when she is when I'm scared. That she is nice. I love when my mom uh, plays outside with me. She always does what's good for us. I love that she's the most trustworthy person I know and I can go to her for anything. That she takes care of us. Happy Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) Moms, we love you. Thank you for gathering and tuning in with us on your special day. Today, for our talk, we are concluding the Joy in the Journey series. We believe that there is joy in the journey and we're experiencing it. This talk series through Philippians is really aimed at helping all of us experience joy, the kind of joy that God desires for each of our lives. I've had so many joy-filled, intimate moments with Jesus while reading Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's humbled and given me hope, and I pray that it helps you. So let's begin by reading our passage together. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, you can go there on your phone or just follow along on the screen. Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. So what's going on here? Paul's writing a letter to a church that's dealing with some drama. There's these two women. Let's just say their names are Karen and Susan. Moms, don't get mad if that's your name. I have a neighbor named Karen. Shout out to you, Karen. Hey. But seriously, the scenario here is Susan and Karen are having a big fight. 
About what? We don't know. But apparently it's affecting the whole church. The letter doesn't tell us what the big deal was, just that it was affecting the unity within their community. People are now feeling like they had to choose sides. And Paul's hearing about this from prison and he's concerned. He's concerned for them, but for bigger reasons as well. He's saying, hey, you guys are making Team Jesus look bad. You're supposed to represent a different way of living and relating to one another. You're supposed to be setting an example that stands out, that makes you shine like stars. But instead you've got drama and you're complaining and grumbling about it. The title of today's talk is called No Drama for Your Mama because, hey, it's Mother's Day and everybody likes a title that rhymes. I like a title that rhymes, but seriously, Paul wasn't taking this stuff lightly. In fact, he basically says, and I'm going to paraphrase this, he says, I'm going to stand before God someday and give an account, and this is how you're going to live in the light of all that I've taught you? It's going to be my legacy? Paul takes this so personal that he writes a letter to the Philippian church about all the drama that's transpiring. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down as we go along. Today, we're going to take a look at three biblical steps for living drama-free. There's a lot of places that we can look for advice, but the best wisdom comes from God. And I think that we all could use a talk like this. Have you noticed how much easier it is to point out the issues in others without seeing our own? The more that we focus on issues and offenses with others, the bigger our blind spots can become. We just can't see our own blind spots. We think at times that we're really better than what we really are. Today, we want to focus on how we can live drama-free. So don't think about your friend, your sister, your mother, or your brother. This talks for us. This talk is for me. Are you excited? I am. So let's get into it. Our first step comes from verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Number one, embrace a healthy fear for disrupting peace. God takes peace and unity seriously. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. So for a person who fears God, sending that email or shooting off that text or speaking your mind, it can be a weighty thing to do. There's a reverence and awareness that our words and our actions affect others. So what is the effect of our words? Are we breathing life into others? When we disagree, how do we handle that? Listen, don't get me wrong. There are moments for tough love and difficult conversations, but at the same time, to obey God is to promote unity. So these moments must be worked out with fear and trembling. See, a lot of people have misunderstood this verse because of the word salvation. When we see this word, we almost always think of ultimate salvation for eternity through Jesus. When I was new to following Jesus, I remember reading this passage thinking, wow, I better not mess up. I was afraid and thought my salvation was at risk. But what's really interesting about this passage, when we consider Susan and Karen and their big blowout, we look a little deeper, we actually discover that's not the case at all. Paul uses the term salvation 18 times in his letters. 15 of those times represent the concept of ultimate salvation. And in two others, the usual meaning is arguably the same. 
So that leaves one other instance, the one we're looking at right here in Philippians 2. This is the only time Paul uses the word salvation and means well-being. So Paul is saying, work out or consider the health of your community with fear and trembling. He's basically saying, live your life in a way that's worthy of representing Jesus. Don't be so concerned of what I can do or what's my right to do. That quickly leads to conflict because it's self-centered thinking. Instead of considering, can I do this or am I allowed? What if we all ask the question, what is best? And more importantly, what if we ask the question, what is most loving? I used to have a hard time being at peace. I was so concerned with pleasing all the people that I cared about. I mean, I wanted peace so badly that I overcompensated for it and it backfired. Why? Because you can't please everyone. You also can't stay at peace with yourself when you're trying to maintain it for everyone else. Paul said, work out your well-being with fear and trembling. That means being aware at a higher level of the way your decisions affect others. I used to bartend at a place called Tiki Tom's in Walnut Creek when I first started following Jesus. I mean, I loved bartending, the social aspect of it. I love people and I love getting to hear their stories. And I don't know if you know this, but you basically become a therapist real quick when you're serving drinks. I mean, who would have thought alcohol and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets really bond people? I mean, I wasn't following Jesus when I first started becoming friends with everyone at the bar, and it was pretty common for everyone to go out after a shift. And to be honest, I didn't always make the best decisions when we went out. So when I started following Jesus, I very quickly found myself playing tug of war between my old way of living and this new journey I was on. My deepest desire had changed. I wanted to be like Jesus, so I knew what I had to do, but it was hard. I had to say no to my friends, and it wasn't easy, but it was what was best. It is what gave me peace and peace in the relationships I was growing to care about most. I mean, I learned that the hard way, thinking that I could go out with them, and it didn't end well. And when that happened, it created conflict in my life. It was disruptive to my soul. I realized that obeying God and having a healthy relationship with others started with me and working out my salvation, my own well-being. I wanted to live in a way that was worthy of representing Jesus. The Spirit of God leads us to make decisions that create unity within our community. So when we're walking and speaking and being directed by the Holy Spirit, one of those signs is it leads to a greater peace. You might be watching and you've been following Jesus for quite some time, but listen, none of us are immune to these issues. Paul said that the Philippian church had a history of obedience. He said, you have obeyed, you have followed the example of Christ, but they still needed to be reminded and refocused in some areas that were robbing them of joy. So the first step for living drama-free is to embrace a healthy fear for disrupting the peace. Living drama-free means being aware of how our actions and words affect others and really caring about that and whether or not we're protecting or disrupting peace. Now, there's another side to this that I think is really encouraging. Starting in verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or complaining or arguing. Number two, accept what only God can do without complaining. Sometimes it's hard to accept that God is really working in us. We tend to want to make life happen 
the way that we want it to happen, and then give God some of the credit when things turn out and go our way. We say, oh yeah, God made that happen, only to be disappointed and even angry with God when life doesn't go our way. Yet God is the one working in us according to his good purposes. This means through all the good and the great things, even the bad and hurtful and unfair and broken relationships, suffering, and even maybe the death of a loved one, the just wrong things that happen to us in our lives, he's working. He's working through them all, even when it's hard to see the good. This is a promise that you can count on. We can count on his goodness, even in a storm. We can count on his faithfulness. He'll never leave us. Any good that we accomplish as believers is a result of God's work in us. It's never about having all the things go our way. It's about honoring God in the way that we relate to others. Who are we to ever break fellowship with others? For our own selfish reasons, years ago I had a friend and we just couldn't see eye to eye on on an issue. And so I noticed that she started creating some distance from me and I I got really concerned. So I just called her and I said, hey, can we meet up? We need to talk. So we did, we met up and when we got together, I shared my heart with her She shared her heart with me. And what was really beautiful is that we were able to to really love each other despite our differences. And I told her I wasn't going anywhere and that I was okay with us both seeing things differently. Sadly, there have been other times it didn't work out this way. At the end of the day, we can only be responsible for our part. And if we've done our part, then we can leave the rest to God, meaning We don't complain about it, we don't grumble about it, and we don't talk to others about it or vent. Let me just tell you something. It's a really, really good feeling to know that you did your part to reconcile. What does that look like? One, be fearful about how what you say can affect somebody else. And two, be genuine in your desire to keep the door open. And third, Continue to pray and ask God for healing. When we decide we're going to be the person that honors God in our relationships, we shine. People can see it when we do. During shelter in place, I got to tell you, I've gained some weight. I've just been eating like it's my last meal, every meal. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's also given us a lot of time to do some organizing and get really organized in our garage and unpack. And so to my my surprise, we've discovered some mystery boxes and in them were some pieces of silver that had been given to us on our wedding day 35 years ago this summer. Sadly, over time, these pieces were tarnished and dull. They hadn't been maintained, which was the point of this talk. There were individuals in the Church of Philippi that had become dull and tarnished over time because in their suffering, they didn't turn to God. And this led to grumbling and complaining, which led to arguments and disunity. You know what I find so interesting about this conflict is whatever they were even arguing about, it wasn't even important enough for Paul to address it. Instead, he focused on the fact that they were arguing 
and what it was doing to their joy and their witness to others, these people needed some buffing out because they weren't shining like the stars. Sometimes we need buffing out. So let's review. One, embrace a healthy fear of disrupting the peace. Two, accept what only God can do without complaining. And lastly, for number three, let's look at the rest of our passage. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out to the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Number three, make Jesus known by being known for your joy. It's harder for others to see Jesus in us when our daily routines are being tarnished by our grumbling and complaining. But when we act like Jesus, we shine like stars. I mean, we really stand out and others take notice, especially when it's during a time of suffering and sacrifice. We're all going through a lot right now during this difficult season of COVID-19. Parents have become teachers overnight. Children have become isolated. People have taken pay cuts or, or lost their job. I mean, it's definitely a time of suffering and sacrifice. But when we can look for the good in all of this, the silver lining, and focus on that and be a light in the time of darkness, we stand out. Listen, it's easy to complain about all the twists and turns our lives have taken during shelter in place. But what's different and sometimes difficult is when we can find the joy in our circumstances. When we do this, it attracts others to God. Paul says he rejoices with us during these times and that we can be glad and have joy too. You can't have joy while you're offended. You can't have joy while you're angry. You can't have joy when you're full of fear. It's almost counterintuitive how being a joyful person actually takes work. It doesn't just happen. Experiencing more joy means being mindful how our words and actions affect others. Are we unifying others? A joyful person relies on God to do what they can't. And the best part is, when we as a community are known for our joy, our world sees the power of Jesus in our lives. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. You might ask, what was that joy? The joy was you. It was me. You and I spending eternity together forever. In those moments that we grumble or complain, we're forgetting the big picture of God's purpose for our lives. I wonder what your happiness is based on and where do your blessings come from? Do they come from God or do they come from what you can produce, what you can make happen yourself? How can you make it happen? Are we teaching our kids how important it is to make something of themselves? and their accomplishments and their successes, or how beautiful it is to serve God, even when it requires sacrifice and it isn't glamorous and it doesn't fit into the American dream. Jesus didn't live for recognition and Jesus didn't live because he knew better in every situation, even though he really did. Jesus didn't live for his own accomplishments or successes. And Jesus didn't live 
for the revenge against his enemies. Here's what Jesus lived for. Jesus lived to die. This was his whole plan and the entire reason for him coming. And he died for us, no other reason. Jesus lived to die and then he rose again to redeem and bless us. And because Jesus followed through with what he said he was going to do for us, we can follow through with the plans that he has for our lives to shine and be a blessing to the world. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. For some of you, maybe today you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. We'd love to pray with you. Just let us know if you're ready to cross that line of faith. You can go to brave.church forward slash follow Jesus. We'll reach out to you and we'll share resources with you and help you take your first steps in your journey. So if you're already following Jesus, how do those steps challenge you? I wonder how you approach things when things don't go your way or when someone lets you down. Do you seek to make peace and build unity? Or do you find yourself grumbling to your spouse, your friend, or whoever will listen? Do you complain or contend for the highest good? Maybe there's someone you need to talk to this week. Maybe you need to spend some time asking God to help you see through His perspective. Sometimes we're blind to how God's Word clearly instructs us. It often takes time in prayer asking God's Spirit to guide us to really see the heart of a matter. In a few moments, we're going to move into a time of worship. And as we sing these songs, I want to encourage you to really connect with God. If you need a pause and ask your kids to settle down or play outside or wait till your baby stops crying, that would be me. Just push pause and prepare for this moment. Let this be a sacred moment between you and God and visualize the life of blessing He desires. As you do, ask God by the power of His Spirit to reveal to you if there's any area in your life that's lacking peace. Ask God to show you and bring to mind if there may be some ways you've taken your frustrations or offenses and disrupted peace, maybe in your heart or in your community. What do you grumble or complain about? God, I pray that you show us how to be a people of peace who live in your blessing. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Brave at Home. We hope this gathering encouraged you, challenged you, and filled you with hope. Even if you aren't local, if this ministry is impacting you or your family's life, we appreciate your giving. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for regular notifications. Check out brave.church for the latest news. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.